the football game. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown. Alabama wins. Welcome into Stone Cold Sports Talk, episode 25. It feels almost too fast that it's already been 25 episodes, also too slow, given that we're two years into it and only done 25 episodes, averaging about one a month. Um, boys, thank you all for being here. Uh, Luke Stone, as always, with Jay Banzett, Taft Gant, and William Smith. College football playoff rankings, the first of 2020, dropped last night. Top five, Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas A&M, followed by six through 10, Florida, Cincinnati, Northwestern, Georgia, Miami. Um, the question, of course, is in a season as weird as this one, who in this top 10 can actually win a national championship? Jay, lead us off. So the way I look at this, Alabama certainly can. Um, I think Clemson can. I think Ohio State can. I pass over Notre Dame because something about – I am a little biased, I will admit, against the Irish. But name the last time – I know they beat Clemson this year, but Clemson – May I remind you, was starting a kid that's literally our age, our, our four age. Okay, he's he was in our graduating class last year. They started him on the road in an environment that went viral when everybody stormed the field because of the sheer number of people that were there. I mean, it was it was essentially like a true road game, and it took double overtime to do that. So I don't think no, I don't believe Notre Dame when put on a neutral field against Trevor Lawrence, against Mac Jones, against Justin Fields can beat one of those teams. I think Texas A&M can do it. They're going to need some help, but they can do it. Florida, Stone, you're shaking your head. I don't think they can do it just because their defense is so bad. But Kyle Trask and Pitts, they're a good combo. I don't think that's enough to counter or to overcome, I guess I could say, what that defense is going to end up doing. Cincinnati has the best chance among the group of five teams. They, I don't think they'll get in, but they got a shot. Northwestern, they're they're a sleeper. They're a sleeper. You see what they did to Wisconsin last week. Bo Watts has me hyped about Northwestern. Georgia, absolutely not. Miami, absolutely not. So I think that seven out of the top, excuse me, six out of the top ten can realistically win. Northwestern will not win. They could with a miracle. But Florida A&M, Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, I think can all win. I think it's much more straightforward than that. Here are the three teams that can win a national championship. No one else will. I guarantee it. I would put my life on it if I could. Please don't hold me to that if that doesn't actually happen because of COVID and stuff. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, period. Notre Dame, I don't think will make the national championship. I don't think they'll beat Clemson twice. And if they don't do that, they're not making it. Um, Texas A&M needs a lot of help. I don't know how they're going to get that help to make the SEC championship game. And I don't think a one-loss A&M is getting into the playoff unless something really unforeseen happens elsewhere. Florida, no. Cincinnati, no. Northwestern, no. Georgia, no. Miami, no. There are three teams in the top 10 that can realistically win it. And I think all three are very evenly matched, though, so that would be exciting for a potential. I think I'm the only pessimist here. What? William and Taft, what do you all think? Yes, yeah, I agree with you that it is simpler um, than Jay's putting it. There are only three teams, Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. You look at Notre Dame, I don't think they're going to make it past – Clemson uh, in the ACC championship, and I don't know if the committee would put in two ACC teams if that does happen, just because Notre Dame beat Clemson at a home game, like Jay was saying, and playing against a backup quarterback. So I think Notre Dame won't even get there. Um, Florida, they'd have to beat Alabama twice to win the national championship. That's hard to do, obviously. And Texas A&M, it's going to be – they have to 
beat Alabama too, just to make it to um, the playoff. I think they already then, lost to Bama, right? Like A&M needs Auburn help, right? Is that yeah, what they're that, depending that, on? A&M has one loss on the season, and it's the only team that they played with a winning record. No, Florida. So, Florida. They beat Florida. Oh, excuse me. Who was I reading about? There's one team in here that's only beaten one team with a winning record, I, I think. Probably the overrated Northwestern Wildcats. <laughs> Northwestern's got a shot. They've got uh, – they haven't – They've got like pretty much a cakewalk to the Big Ten championship. So if they can beat Ohio State, you're going to be thinking differently. Yeah, but it's the Big Ten this year, and who knows what's going on. I say three teams, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State. William, do you see anyone else? I mean, I'm going to go stand my disagree here. I'd go Florida. I mean, I'm going to give them a fighting chance in the SEC championship. It's just the fact that, yeah, I know, fire Todd Grantham, we all know. Um I mean, they can put up points, though. Uh, just – I think Kyle Pitts is going to – he'll be back soon after that scary entry versus Georgia. But no one's going to be able to guard Pitts and Tony in the open field. And I think that Florida has a chance. They have a chance to beat Alabama and to get in the playoff. But I, I don't think they're going to go any further than that in the playoff. Um, I mean, I think the bottom four of this top ten is a joke, except for Georgia. I think it, now that they have JT Daniels, if they had JT Daniels early in, early in the year, who knows? It definitely could be a playoff team. I mean, he threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. Um, so I don't think they're going to get in. I mean, they're not going to make the SEC's or SEC championship game. So if they had Daniels, I know this hurts Taft, but um, I think that they would have been a good contender. But I'm going to go with Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and, and uh, Florida. What is Kirby Smart doing? How did they get that far along in the season without playing a kid who's so clearly better than Stetson Bennett? There's a there's a track record of this stone. Justin Fields. Yeah, Jim yeah, Jim yeah, Jim. yeah. We know, we know. Georgia is one quarterback away from winning the national championship, and you cannot argue that. Hopefully Brock Vandegrift is the answer. But JT Daniels going off this past weekend against Mississippi State is definitely a bad look for Kirby, and it makes you wonder – what their record would be if they did start JT all along. Would they be in Bama? I don't know. Would they have beaten Florida? I think they would, just because there were so many missed opportunities in that game when Stetson and Zawan just could not get the ball to the receivers. That's true, but I think Florida also kind of let their foot off foot off the gas and against Georgia's depleted defense could have put up 60 if they really wanted to. All right. That's fair. I mean, all it's right, over- moving on. Speaking of, uh, speaking of teams that put up 60 – uh, we've got the Heisman debate going on. So a couple of weeks ago, Kyle Trask was on the outside looking in. It looked like, you know, once Justin Fields got going out Ohio State, maybe it'd be him. Mac Jones is going off. Now, odds as of this morning, Kyle Trask, the overwhelming favorite at minus 145, Fields in second at plus 275, and a close third, Mac Jones at a plus 300. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson both on the outside looking in. Lawrence mainly because of his missed games due to the COVID diagnosis uh, in October. Um do we think there's any debate here, or is Trask basically just uh, uh, going to have a, a two- or three-week victory lap here for the Heisman Trophy? I think there's certainly debate. I think Tra- Trask is going to be my pick all along, but Justin Fields and Mac Jones, you cannot count those guys out, especially if they keep winning and say Florida, because of their defense, fumbles a little bit and they lose a game, they don't make it um, past the SEC Championship. So I think Fields and Jones definitely still have a shot, especially if they keep putting up good numbers because we haven't seen a lot from Ohio state. I'm going to go further with that. 
I think this is Justin Fields' award to lose. Um, he did not play great on Saturday against Indiana. But you got to remember in the beginning of the season, the first game of the year, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, I think he had more touchdowns and incompletions in his first game of the season. Yes. So, yeah. He against Nebraska. I just want to throw that Nebraska. Right it was Nebraska. It was not some Mercer team or like whoever Alabama's getting up playing, finding a way to play at the end of the season. I think it's tough. It'll be Trask or Fields. I think Mac Jones, if Mac Jones hasn't done enough yet to get his name in there, he's, he hasn't, he's not going to be able to do anything. He needs to throw seven touchdowns against Auburn, I think, to get his name back in the conversation. Anything yes. less than that is between Trask and, and Fields. And, the, and then he'd need to absolutely destroy Florida because if, if doing what he did against George is not enough, then I don't know really what is. Um, so I think Justin Fields, if I had to bet on somebody right now, I'd bet on Fields over Trask just because Fields has – he's got a brand name and he they, he just needs to show that he can re- recover from last weekend. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I like – I'm going to go with Mac Jones. I feel like he's been the safe play all along. Um, definitely Trask comes into play there because he's throwing for like 400 yards and four touchdowns every single game. Um, now it just depends on if they don't get into the playoff, will that award still go to Trask? I'm not sure. I mean, he's on pace to have one of the best offensive seasons in college football history. So I think that it might just be Mac Jones since Alabama is probably going to win the national championship. A guy I like who I feel like is not even in this conversation should be is Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to get a look. He's kind of like a Zach Wilson um, where if Zach Wilson's getting some attention, then Desmond Ritter probably should be getting some attention as a top group of five quarterback. Uh, that's my sleeper. Also, I wish running backs could get it because I think Brees Hall would be up there in the conversation, but um, I like Mac right now. I'm going to roll with Trask. And the, the thing that is very confounding that you all have brought up and potentially could derail the Trask Heisman candidacy is, first of all, uh, the well, I guess we've had the playoff out every single time we've had a Heisman Trophy uh, winner decided. Um, but in the college football playoff era, is Lamar Jackson the only winner to come from a team that didn't make the playoff? Is there anyone else I'm forgetting? Because Baker was on a playoff team. Kyler was on a playoff team. Um, Mariota was. Yep. So I think, I think the, the last time that the, the last time the Heisman went to a guy that wasn't in the national championship might have been Jay, who won oh, 2013? Oklahoma in the college football playoff, yes. But in the- with, with Kyler Murray, he didn't make the national championship again. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying in the BCS era before that, like who's the uh, last guy? Uh, Jameis Winston won a championship in 13. 12 was Johnny Manziel. All right, so Manziel was the last one, and then the last one before that might have been Tim Tebow in 2007 when Florida went nine and three, but he had that insane season. The now, year before, what about RG3? 2011, yeah, RG3. Yeah. The crazy thing that Trask has to overcome, though, is that in the playoff era, you have to basically, with the exception of Lamar Jackson, be on one of those four teams to win it. And then if you're not, you have to be some freak dual threat athlete. And Kyle Trask is one hell of a quarterback, but he's not exactly dual threat. Uh, I, I think Trask will be the favorite. I think he'll win it. I think that just the sheer – they put up the stat comps, and he's right on par with where Joe Burrow was last year, basically. Also doesn't get the benefit of a couple of cupcake games to put up 60 points and, 
in five touchdowns. So I think Trask is still the favorite. I think that could potentially be a huge deciding factor is there aren't cupcakes going on anymore, at least in, in most conferences. Stone, guess, guess who just tested positive for COVID? Uh, Ian Book. Nick Saban again. Again? That's All right, I'm going to need to change my bet of the week, but he might test negative again. Breaking news here on the Stone Cold Sports Blog podcast that by the time we get this up at 5 p.m. on Wednesday, we'll have already been five-hour old news, but I digress. He right. probably, he'll probably test negative by the time this podcast comes out. Taft is still scarred. They, they will find a way to put a negative test to his name by the end of the business day today. All right, so moving on, pivoting to the NFL. We haven't talked a lot of NFL this season. Uh, we did some tiered power rankings that we're going to try to pare down for the sake of time. Um, now, we had a total of six tiers, very complicated. The bottom tier was all teams that we thought were out. So here are the teams that all of us agree have no chance of making the playoffs or doing anything important. Jets, Jags, and stop me, stop me if you want to, if you want to resurrect the team. Jets, Jags, Bengals, Chargers, Texans, Panthers, Falcons. Correct. Huh? Panthers? Resurrect. Yes. Why? They've got a shot. They've got a they've got I, yes. They I have looked not... at it yesterday. They have a shot. What's yes. their give me the remaining schedule? Tampa, Tampa plays Kansas City this week, so they're going to be seven and five after this week. That, that's the important thing. They were th- they are within shouting distance of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We play the Vikings this week. I know we play the Packers week six, week fifteen, and then the Saints again. Um, I think we have one of the hardest schedules in the league. So, but in, they in stay quarterback situation. Teddy keeps the Panthers in games. PJ Walker, PJ Walker will win us games. All right. Christian McCaffrey comes back in week 14. Side um, note, I was having this conversation with a few of my friends earlier this week. Do you think Teddy Bridgewater can win a Super Bowl? I think he can. What so roster? Under no circumstances will he win a Super Bowl. No, like well, under his when while he's in Carolina, do you think that they can win a Super Bowl? Oh, absolutely no. not. I think with the right supporting cast if he gets good enough defense and they keep the wide receiver core they have and they fix the offensive line i think he could yeah you're saying all of the super important things like if if they do x y and z all three of which are the hardest things to do in the nfl if you give him the 2015 broncos defense maybe he'll make it past the wild card round (laughs) or to the wild card (laughs) all right uh 49ers can we agree the 49ers are dead all right um patriots William, the teams that matter. Okay. All right. So top tier. No variation here on Chiefs as Super Bowl favorites. No one wants to take up the Trevor Daniel position and lobby for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, the, you, you got to talk about bias with Trevor. That's not Which, an educated. That's not an educated take. I think Chiefs clear number one. The way that I did most of my tiers are who I think would win head to head. Chiefs beat Steelers head to head. I think. Seven out of ten times, probably. Maybe if it's a Heinz, six out of ten. Um, where are we on? Who are our sleepers? So Chiefs and Steelers are the two obvious picks to make a Super Bowl. Which less than likely team do you think has a real chance to make it? I got one. The Las Vegas Raiders. And it's not just because of what they did on Sunday night. That was in my mind, really impressive. You saw my personal Instagram poll that Derek Carr should be better than Lamar and people don't see it yet. 
Uh, the Raiders, they are – Chris Collinsworth said it so perfectly on Sunday. They are specifically designed to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They are constructed in a manner that is supposed to be able to beat the Chiefs or at least be super competitive, which they have both beaten and been very competitive with this year. And it, to get to the Super Bowl, you have to beat the Chiefs. And this sounds ridiculous considering the Steelers are 10-0, but the team with the best chance to actually beat the Chiefs in the playoffs is the Las Vegas Raiders. And we've seen that because of their track record this year. So they have to get to that Chiefs game, which is a problem because they have three other losses on their schedule. But if they get to the Chiefs game, whether that be probably in the wild, no, that'd probably be in the division round because I don't – well, will the Steelers okay. lose the game the rest of the season? What do y'all think? If they don't lose to Baltimore, I think they're running the table. And given Baltimore's COVID problems, I think they will. I mean, they just have – they made it through the tough part. Their schedule wasn't that tough to begin with, and then they made it through the tough part. So I think if I had to put money on it right now, I'd put money on – I'd put money on Steelers 16-0. and What were the tough parts of their schedule? I don't even think they They played. had the Titans, the Ravens back-to-back on the road. That was the hardest part, and now I think it's basically all downhill from here. So Steelers have, let's see. The Steelers' remaining schedule is Ravens, Washington. Okay, the Buffalo game is – Buffalo and, and Indy are both going to be hard. Oh, yeah, those, at home. Are, those are good teams. Um, it depends. They, if, they beat, if they beat Buffalo, I think they go undefeated. I don't think they're going to lose at 14-0. I think that – once you get to a certain point, you just basically brute force your way to win. Um, they're either going to be 16-0 and or 14-2. and I think they're just going to tank that last game against the Browns, assuming that Kansas City basically has locked up the one seed. Anyway, um, so Jay, your sleeper is the Las Vegas Raiders. Taft, your biggest sleeper. Jay kind of stole mine with the Steelers. Um, I'm going to go... Maybe the Arizona Cardinals, if Kyler Murray can keep it up. The defense is good, and DeAndre Hopkins has proven himself as elite. So, Arizona, maybe. We'll see. William. I like the uh, jo- I like Josh Allen's Buffalo Bills. I see some uh, disparity in the rankings here. I think I have them at Tier 2, and uh, Jay has them at Tier 4, so – um, not a whole lot of agreement, but I think that this is a pretty well-rounded team. And Josh Allen for a little bit was a uh, MVP candidate or his name was being thrown around. And I love Diggs and Beasley. I think that Allen now is a pretty dependable quarterback and um, he's gotten more consistency. And that defense I still think is is solid. And that secondary, even though they're going to be haunted by what DeAndre Hopkins did to them in the end zone, they still have Tredavious White, Micah Hyde, and Jordan Poyer. And I think that Anyone playing at Ralph Wilson's going to have a pretty tough time, um, especially with the cold weather coming up. So I think that they could be looking at a pretty fortuitous month and a half here. Um, and I think that they're kind of a sleeper team now that they, they had a lot of tra- gained a lot of traction in the beginning of the season, kind of tailed off. But I think that they could resurge here in the coming weeks. I have flip flopped on this team a thousand times, but. Well, I flip-flopped on the Bills a ton. I've also flip-flopped all over the place on the Tennessee Titans. A month ago, I'm like, they might go 14-2. and two. Three weeks or after the loss to the Colts, I'd be like, oh my gosh, they could be like 9-7 and seven and somehow miss the playoffs. After their win against Baltimore on Sunday, 
and I think Baltimore is a team we'll get to in a minute as one of my teams that I think has the biggest bust potential. Um, but I think the Titans are, they're kind of made for playoff victories. They're made for ugly, ugly games in the snow, in the cold, where you just hand the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times and you just wear down a defense. Their matchup with Kansas City is obviously concerning just because of all the weapons that Kansas City has and Tennessee's defense has been conspicuously absent in big uh, in big moments this season, I'd say. But they don't have a quarterback who's going to get overconfident, get cocky, and make mistakes in January. They have a guy who knows that his ceiling is basically 20 for 27, 275 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. A great game manager. And they have two guys you just can't tackle. You can't tackle Derrick Henry, and it's really hard to tackle A.J. Brown. And I think that if he stays healthy, they have the chance to be a, not necessarily a, a big contender, but I would be if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm scared of that matchup, especially without Devin Bush. And if I'm Kansas City, I'm not necessarily scared of that matchup. I think I'm more scared by the Raiders just because they seem to be a better fit. Obviously, Jay took the Raiders as a sleeper, so I'm not going to uh, rehash that. But I think Tennessee is a matchup nightmare for any team that really wants to run, you know, to, that needs to score 30 points a game to win. Um, and Tennessee is going to bring that score down to basically first to 17 wins that football game. Now... Uh, on the other side of things, one team that you think that a lot of people are high on or has a lot of talent that you think could just totally collapse in the playoffs, I'll start this way. Go ahead, Jay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I cannot – excuse me. I cannot stand watching a team so talented. They have the best receiving core in the league and maybe the best running back duo – in the NFC, they're not better than Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Rockets. But I, it is it, it is hard to watch these dudes play football, especially offensively. They scored. They have Antonio. Think about think about this, okay? They have the greatest quarterback of all time, one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Maybe they're both the most, talent, the most talented short receiver of all time. Two one thousand yard receivers from a year ago. The number a number five pick at running back, and they scored twenty four points on a Monday Night Football game at home. It, it is out of their prime, though. Yeah, I don't think Tom Brady being the goat means that they should he should be performing like he still is the goat. I mean, the guy is forty three years. He's old. Michael Jordan wizard. He's he's uh he's wizards Michael Jordan now. Rock is uh, Shaquille O'Neal on whatever team he played on after the Lakers. That's what they have right now. I just – I people give them – I just do not see a way. They have all the talent in the world, and they just, if they just can't figure it out. I just, I, there's no way that they make any noise. They're an enigma. Whenever, think... they play, whenever they play a good team or in prime time, they get embarrassed. That's true. That's a problem. I'm going to say the Baltimore Ravens are my biggest bust potential team. The defense has some injury issues right now. And first of all, if they're not careful in a very talented AFC wild card picture, there is a scenario where they get left out, where Buffalo wins the East, and then your other four play, your three wild card teams are what? Indianapolis and Indianapolis, Las Vegas, and um, Cleveland. It's very easy for the Ravens, especially if they lose this week, to get left out of the playoffs. Even if they make it, 
I would almost say it's more likely that they lose in the wild card than they make it to the AFC championship. Lamar, they're starting to figure out Lamar. Lamar was a lot of fun for two years. NFL didn't know how to, they didn't know basically who to draft to try to slow him down. But then eventually the Isaiah Simmons is of the world and a lot more, you know, versatile, versatile linebackers and pass rushers came into the league. There's this new era. They know how to guard Lamar Jackson now. And at the end of the day, he can't throw the football. Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram is not, he's going to just vanish off the face of the earth. JK Dobbins is, I don't think they're giving him enough touches, but he's kind of, uh, he's been, he's slowed down. And I think Baltimore is primed to go 11 and five and losing the first round to uh, losing the first round to, I guess, whoever the second place team is in the AFC. William, your biggest bust. I want to say the Steelers, which is a very bold take, but um, I would realistically, I would say the Packers. I think that we've probably put the Packers on a pedestal and the, I mean, we saw the upset against or the Colts beat them. You know, this is a team that's, it's pretty vulnerable. I don't really know how they're this successful with only having Devonte Adams and, having an Aaron Jones, who I think has regressed from last season. Um, I just think that this is a pretty vulnerable team and the loss of the Colts might hurt their morale a little bit and in the playoffs, I'm not sure how far um, they'll be able to go. And I think that they're still rated as like a top six team by most um, analysts out there. So I think that they are probably a little bit overrated right now. And I think that they will lose come first or second round of the playoffs. Have any new nominees for biggest busts? Yeah, I think Seattle. Um, outside of Russell Wilson, they're just not a good team. He's kind of kept them alive uh, this whole season. So they're my bust. I mean, it's literally Florida's defense. The Seattle defense, it's, it's ridiculous how the Legion of Boom transformed into the Florida defense giving up. They just go right down and score. I think the Bill, it was the Bill Seahawks game where the Bills just fired right back every time the Seahawks scored. Just a completely different team. Who is more overrated? Slant boy Michael Thomas or Blitz Boy Jamal Adams? Blitz boy. Yeah, easily. Blitz. Next question. Jason Beer Paul has more, I think he had more interceptions in the past two weeks than Jamal Adams does in his career. He just can't he, he he's not good in coverage. All right, bets of the week brought to you by, I don't know. We don't have a sponsor for that yet. Bavada, if you're interested, first of all, I'm almost out of money. Would love some free play. Secondly, if you're interested, you got the sponsorship spot. All right, William, you have, uh, you have Vanderbilt, so explain yourself. We're looking at the bowels of the SEC here, Vanderbilt versus the Missouri Tigers. And after Vanderbilt's you know, incredible performance last week against Florida, I think it was 17 to 10 at half. How can I not take them uh, with a 15.5 dogs? I'm going to have them cover here against Mizzou. Uh, uh, I like that, William. I like that pick a lot. It's hard to cover a two touchdowns at a noon kickoff. You have to keep that in mind when you're betting that game. I don't know. I mean, I, I like where the Commodores are trending right now. <laughs> I, I literally cannot name you a single player on that team, but um, – Felt like Kyle Shermer was there forever. Formerly Kyle Shermer. Uh, we miss Kyle Shermer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just feeling feeling Vanderbilt. That's uh, that, that's my spread pick. And then money line, I'm going with Colorado 
uh, plus 380 over USC at Memorial Coliseum, which uh, could certainly backfire, but Colorado is 2-0. Uh, they beat UCLA and Stanford, who are two, um, you know, middle-of-the-road Pac-12 teams. And I think that USC has had its fair share of close games these past two weeks. I think they almost lost to Arizona State, had to come back. Uh, so they've been tested. Both teams have been tested, and I like Colorado here. And then over under SMU East Carolina, over 67.5. These teams can score. Shane Buchel can sling the ball. And uh, Holden Oller is a quarterback for ECU. Love that guy. Um, I mean, both these teams are very, very pass heavy. And I think that 67 and a half, they're certainly going to go over that. I think this is the fourth time East Carolina has appeared in our bets of the week segment. Jay, the fourth. Don't, don't, do not, do not bet in ECU's favor. Never. Uh Uh-uh. So my spread of the week I think Oklahoma State bounces back. They are favored by 11 against Texas Tech. Texas Tech is 3-5. and five. Oklahoma State has had a rough couple of weeks, especially last week on national television, got embarrassed in Bedlam. Uh, I think they bounce back this week, get a big win over Texas Tech. This one's very iffy. I am betting on Penn State to do something on a football field in 2020. It is, it is rough. It is questionable. It is, uh, they are given plus 110 on the money line against Michigan. I'm taking that. Michigan, God bless them, folds under pressure like literally nobody else in the country. So give me Penn State. And then the over-under, Texas-Iowa State, 56.5 is just straight disrespectful. I got them going over, which means it's going to be like a 17-10 final with me. So uh, over, but you know, knowing me, it could be the under. I think it's I think it's very impressive that you have the gall to bet Penn State. I mean, it's Michigan, so I get it. But I, I was I'm just gonna say I was very sad when Michigan ended up beating Rutgers. I really wanted Greg Schiano to get revenge on the entire college football world and, and shock and shock everyone and beat Michigan. All right, Taft, you're up. For my spread pick, I'm gonna go to the Iron Bowl, which is weird that it's happening sort of in the middle of the season. Auburn plus 24 and a half at Alabama. This is gonna be the quietest atmosphere this rivalry has probably ever had. Um, and 24 and a half is a lot, especially in this rivalry game. I think Auburn will cover. My money line pick is an upset that I've had since the beginning of the season. UNC over the Fighting Irish plus 175. I think Mac Brown will fire up the troops, and they'll get a big upset win over right. the number two ranked Notre Dame in the first college football playoff. That would be a big upset, um, and I know Jay would love to see it. My over-under pick, I'm going to go over to the NFL. Ravens at Steelers over 45. That just seems way too low. Um, it'll be fun to be eating turkey and watching Lamar Jackson and Big Ben sling the rock and hopefully – um, score more than 45 points. Come on. You're going to get an ugly 24-20 game. And there's going to be – it's going to be like 24-20 heading into the fourth, and you're like, well, it's got to be. And then this is going to go back and forth, each team getting to the other's 40-yard line and then stalling out. Maybe. I don't know. All right, my spread pick of the week, Boston College minus one over Louisville. Um, only reason I have that as spread pick and not money line is because the minus one spread has slightly better odds. I think it's minus 110 for Boston College, minus one and minus 120 for them to win. So you might as well bet BC minus uh, 110 with a one-point spread. Uh, Louisville, 
up and down the whole season. Boston College obviously hung with Clemson. Been pretty solid all year. Um, I like them to beat the Cardinals this week. Money line going with a big underdog here. Maryland plus 300 over Indiana, mostly because I was too scared to touch any other game uh, on the schedule. And Maryland seems a little underrated. Indiana was very good against Ohio State. Don't know if they'll be able to exactly put that one behind them. Also, Maryland has a Tagovailoa on the roster, and for me, that's enough to get me. Uh, ex- I was just about to say you're doing it just because the Tagovailoa is on the roster. Correct. All right, and then my over/under. We're going to go very big here. In December of last year, after Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin had both found their new homes in the uh, Magnolia State of Mississippi, if you were to say, "Do you think this game goes over or under its total?" I would have said over. Easy. I'll put a hundred bucks on it now. Whatever the over/under is. Change of heart, though. I am going in the Egg Bowl. Under 67 and a half. Listen, it is very possible that Ole Miss puts up 45. Their defense is terrible. Mississippi State's offense put up 24, seemed to have, right, uh, seemed to have righted the ship against Georgia last week. A very good Georgia defense, mind you. However, it's a rivalry game. I think it'll be a little slower than people think. 67 and a half is a big number. I'm going to say somewhere in the neighborhood of like Ole Miss 41, uh, Mississippi State 23. It's going to be very close to that number. It's a very good number on Vegas's part. I just think that when you get two heavy hitter offenses like this and two heavy hitter offensive coaches, you assume it's going to automatically go over. But I think a rivalry game will get some more inspired defensive efforts from, uh, from both teams. All right. Now it is time for the Blast from the Past Sports Thing of the Week brought to you by the Pool and Weed Eater Independence Bowl. We're going to riff this one here. He only played two seasons in college, but I we haven't done Michael Crabtree yet, right? Has he been That featured? is correct. We've done Ryan Broyles, and we've done Graham Harrell, but we have not done Michael Crabtree. All right, so Michael Crabtree, as a freshman, had 13 games in 2007, 134 catches, 1,962 yards, in 22 touchdowns. He was one of the best receivers in college football that year. Didn't get a single Heisman vote, though. The following season as a sophomore, 97 catches, 1,165 yards, 19 touchdowns, and finished fifth in Heisman voting in 2008. The 2008 Heisman, of course, was a loaded, loaded class of a lot of NFL butts, or busts, excuse me. Sam Bradford won it as a sophomore, with 4,700 passing yards, 50 touchdowns. Colt McCoy, second. Tim Tebow, third. Graham Harrell, as we mentioned, was fourth, and his number one wide receiver was fifth. Also featured in that Heisman field, Sean Green, running back from Iowa. Throwback to the New York Jets circa 2010. I was just about to say, he played for the Jets. Well, that has been... The Blast from the Past, Sports Thing of the Week, brought to you by the Pool and Weed Eater Independence Bowl. All right, facts or fake news. The Miami Dolphins are toast. I'm just going to be that. The Miami Dolphins are toast. Just for the season, not long-term. Playoff hopes this season totally dashed. Facts or fake news? Fake news, because if Tua keeps sucking, they always got a little Fitz magic in the bag. You mean someone who can throw a pick in the end zone on third down? Look, you're just a salty Dolphins fan. I don't get the two I hate. I really don't. I'm gonna, I don't. I'm gonna say it's facts, just because you get a, a toast to me means not making the playoffs. Yeah, that's my definition. So 
you got to think about it. Who the who the teams are ahead of them? You got the Bills in their own division, the Colts, the Titans, Chiefs, Raiders, Steelers, Ravens. That is, I can't count. That's six. Cleveland, Baltimore, plus in Indianapolis. Plus, yeah, I. That's a lot. AFC is absolutely loaded. Yes, it is. So I'm going to say it's facts. Just they'll be like the eight seed. So I mean they're, they're not that far out of it. But I think they, facts. we we got we got too hyped on their defense carrying that team, and they had they came back down to earth last week, and the offense wasn't nearly. I say facts as well. I think the biggest problem for the Miami Dolphins right now is they don't really have a running game. I mean, Salvin Ahmed is fine but I don't think he's sustainable. Brita has been woefully underperforming the entire season. While Gaskin was there, things are working a little better. They paid Jordan Howard $10 million over the summer and cut him last week. This is correct. That's how bad it is. Uh, Tua is a season away. The offensive line is a season away from really contending. Way too many teams ahead of them in the AFC East. If they had beaten Denver, they were on their way to being 9-3 and because they would have beaten Denver – Assuming Joe Burrow still gets hurt, they're beating the Bengals next week, and they're if they lose to the New York Jets this week, then it's it's time to I don't even know what you can't really panic because it's time to it's time to uh, you can't fire fire, fire the house everybody. If the defense gives up more than twenty to the Jets, then fire whoever the defensive coordinator is. I would say. All right, facts or fake news number two. Let's roll with. The Big 12 has no chance of getting any team into the college football playoff. Any resurrection? There's no, no, that's facts. Straight facts. Taft, do you have anything different to say? No, they don't even have a team inside the top 10 of the ranking. All right, facts are fake. Every every team there has two losses. They're, They're done. Facts are fake news number three. The Cincinnati Bengals will not win more than six games in a season for the next three seasons, including, including, or not including this one. So next year, the year after, the year after that. Do the Cincinnati Bengals have any hope of winning more than six games? I think, yes. I, I personally don't think Joe Burrow is going to play next year because uh, he, if you, like, he tore his ACL and MCL and he has PCL damage. Uh, the estimated recovery timeline is nine to 12 months for those things more on the longer side because of its multiple ligaments. So I don't think he's going to play at all next year. And I'm sorry, Taft Ryan Finley is not, not getting six wins in a, in, as an NFL franchise quarterback. So it, t- it would be the year after I think they'll do it. Uh, it just won't be anytime soon. So I'll, I'll say facts, but it's delayed two years at the minimum. Yeah, I say fact because under Jay's logic, they still have two years to do it under Joe Burrow. And I think that they'll get more than six wins at least once. That may mean seven, but I think they'll do it. I'm with Jay. I think that Cincinnati is basically deferred two years in their development of Joe Burrow, which is terrible for them. And also why it might have been kind of stupid to keep him in the whole season. He didn't really have to develop. He was pretty good. At some point when you have Chase Young running at you an entire game and you're probably going to lose and you have nothing to play for and you could tank and get a better draft pick, it might be worth considering. Yeah. You're not going to play Joe Burrow if your season's kind of in the bag and you're not going to 
you don't have a shot at the playoffs, then Joe Burrow may never play while he's in Cincinnati, realistically. That's fair. Might as well right. play. Stone, I got a fax or fake news okay. going off of this. The NFL should adopt the NBA's draft system and go to a lottery to avoid teams like the Bengals taking out their star quarterbacks to tank. No, fake news. I don't like it. I think I think there's it's first of all tanking is too built into the NFL system. I also think that it almost I like I, I like the I like the bad teams in the NFL a lot more than I like the bad teams in the NBA. I think they're a lot more interesting to watch than the bad teams in the NBA. The Jaguars are the only team I would I would say is like completely tanking right now. The Jets are just bad. They just have no one on their roster. But at least they have something. I I think the NBA's version of tanking, it, I think they're just it's apples to oranges because there are 82 games in an NBA season. You have to watch a lot of bad football. I can suffer through some team throwing in the towel for 16 games. I wish everyone would adopt the Miami Dolphins version of tanking, which is where you just cut all of your expensive players but have a really good coach who's still trying to win and still get your quarterback in the draft. Unfortunately, that's not a reality. I think the lottery, though, it's just way too fluky if a team that's like six and 10 because they were missing a quarterback gets a top five pick. It's just not fair. That makes sense. That's a big, big voice crack. Excuse me, but that makes sense. Now that you said well, now the voice cracks, Sean McDonough. All right, next factor, or Tafty. Uh, yeah, I want to ship in. Um, I'm a big adversary of tanking and teams losing on purpose. So I think that'd be great for the NFL to do just because it'd make games more interesting for teams that aren't good. And I like that. I'm going to say fact. I think that that'd be really interesting for the NFL to do. And there's really no harm in it just because – it would make teams try more regardless of their record. I would just say, think about what happens. Why are we rewarding teams for losing? It makes no sense. I just think that, I don't think there really needs to be anti-tanking stuff because there are teams draft based on need more in the NFL. And I think that draft classes are generally better in the NFL. There are more impactful players available than there are in the NBA. Like this year was an entire NBA draft, for example, where there was not one surefire star. That never happens in the NFL. Other than like whatever the Tannehill draft class was, other than that, there's one player in the draft or two players who you're like, these are really good guys, really good fits. And I, I, it's, just, it's just way too risky because there's one injury at quarterback. A team ends up going, a team that would usually go 10 and six goes six and 10. And boom, they end up with a top five pick. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. I feel like in the, that's true for the majority of the draft. But in the first few picks, the teams that are at the top of the draft board are usually the teams that don't have a quarterback. And that's why their record's so bad. And having that first pick or having that second pick over the third or fourth is huge when deciding who gets to have Joe Burrow, who gets to have um, Trevor Lawrence. I also think you can't do a lottery just because it's so difficult to build a team through free agency in the NFL. In the NBA, there's any team that can go out and just sign some random Chris Middleton caliber guy who's not like a number one star, but like is still a really good player and a game changing player because there are fewer spots on an NFL or on an NBA roster. But from the NFL's perspective, I mean, they're just teams that are never going to land free agents. So it's not fair for Cincinnati to be like, hey, 
Well, you're not going to get any free agents because no one wants to move to freaking Cincinnati, Ohio. But on top of that, you also might never get the first overall pick. Meanwhile, the teams that tank in the NBA are often ones from big cities, big markets who can attract free agents. And that's kind of the trade-off there is that they can get a lot of those, they can get a lot of those bigger name. I mean, the Knicks have been tanking for five years. The the Knicks? (laughs) Yeah. The Knicks have been tanking for 10 years. The Sixers were the biggest tanker and it worked for them. I don't really have a problem with tanking because I think it's better than being stuck at, you know, in the NBA 35 and 47 um, or then in the NFL being stuck at six and 10 forever. And I think there's got to be an easier way to get out of that. Also with the NBA, you can literally change a franchise's outlook within a matter of hours. All you need to do is sign one player and you can go from winning 20 games to 40. The Brooklyn Nets next year. We're going to see that. Now, final facts or fake news. Should the Los Angeles Lakers schedule their parade again for 2021? Did they have one in the first place? Well, they didn't have one, but I'm saying should is it is the NBA title uh, next year basically a foregone conclusion? Like are the no. Lakers still the favorite? Heck no. Especially with all the moves that could happen in free agency. I think they're the, they're the favorite, but they're not beating the a, a fully healthy Brooklyn Nets team. They're yeah. not beating that. I'm sorry. I think the fully healthy Brooklyn Nets team is fool's gold. When was the last time that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were both healthy for an entire playoffs? Two years ago. The odds of that, of all of that with all of their combined injury history now, especially Kyrie getting hurt again. I'm not, I don't think the Nets are, I don't even know if the Nets are the favorite in the East. I mean, they're a favorite. I don't know if they're a foregone conclusion in the East. I think Giannis and the Bucks are really good still. You got to remember, it's a 72-game season instead of 82, so it's a little bit shorter. Plus, I don't know, KD and Kyrie essentially had a whole season off. I know Kyrie played a little bit, but KD had a whole season off. People are saying that KD's better than ever based on uh, pickup games that they played during the pandemic in L.A. So, I want to see so I want to see the Bucks versus the Nets. If, if the Bucks can actually get to – a point to play the Nets, aka the Eastern Conference Finals, then I want to see that. But the Bucks have to get there first. I, I, the Brooklyn has to stay healthy too, which, as you pointed out, is questionable. But that that's going to be a matchup. Giannis versus KD for seven games would be must watch. Schroeder and Montrez going to the Lakers. I think big moves for you know guys who can play a lot of minutes in the playoffs take some of that burden off. Getting KCP back is big. Um, have they dumped Danny Green yet? They need to dump Danny Green. Danny Green went to Oklahoma City and is now in Philadelphia. Awesome. They got rid of their biggest liability in the postseason. Um, I think the Lakers are are still a favorite. In the East, it's just kind of – it's very – there are a lot of really tough matchups for the Nets. Milwaukee, obviously, always a tough matchup. They have the best – probably the best inside scorer in the NBA. Um. Miami made the Eastern Conference Finals. They lost Jay Crowder, which I think is kind of a plus in a really weird way. Got Dragic back. Bam's on a huge deal now. Jimmy Butler has established himself as a, a bona fide star in the in the association. Um, and then Philadelphia with Daryl Morey. Interesting matchup. Philly, no title potential. They, they just can't do it. I don't think a Simmons and Bede roster gets you there. But I think that their size is just going to be a lot for the Brooklyn Nets to have to overcome if they play each other in the playoffs. 
Anything else you know, for the good of the group, really gentlemen? I saw something come up yesterday on Instagram. Is Jimmy Butler a top eight player in the NBA? No. I have to sit and think about this one. No. In the regular season for a full 72 games? No, I don't think so. I think your top eight is LeBron, not in this order, but LeBron, AD, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic, um, uh, Luka Doncic, Giannis. Kevin Dur- Dur- Durant? Yeah, I know. That, that was getting there. I was going from west to east, kind of. Oh. Kevin Durant, and then... What, you could... Is Damian Lillard in that conversation? You could argue Lillard. You probably can't argue Harden anymore. Um, I don't think I don't think Butler's the eighth guy though. I think the the other people have a slight advantage over him for guy you want to build around. I mean, you could throw you could throw Jason Tatum into that conversation maybe, just because of how versatile he is. I don't know. Only time will tell. NBA season starts in a month. That is all for episode 25 of Stone Cold Sports Talk. Thank you for tuning in. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Turkey Day football, assuming that it all still happens because the NFL seems to not really care about how many practices team defenses have. That's My parting thing is going to be this. The Oakland Raiders are back because their defense didn't practice for an entire week. Yeah. They're still Oakland. They're going to be Oakland forever. Until they have fans in Allegiant Stadium, they're Oakland, period. Next question. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy Turkey Day football. Steelers, maybe by this time next week, will be 12-0 or 11-0 or whatever the next endo is. We'll see you next time. Have a good week.